We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, November the 14th, 2019. On today's show, I preview the Gamecocks road trip to College Station, Texas, as South Carolina takes on the Texas a and Aggies. I'll give my top storylines, key matchups to watch, keys to the game, and much, much more. Also, a brief preview of South Carolina men's basketball game on Friday against the Cleveland State Vikings at Colonial Life Arena. Some news and notes to get to, your listener questions and voicemails, and a fantastic interview with former Gamecocks defensive lineman Sean Smith, and I know you're sure to enjoy. Before we get into everything, this is a podcast presented to you by our friends over at Ag South Farm Credit. Guys, Ag South Farm Credit – most lenders nowadays, they don't understand land financing, land financing specifically. Ag South Farm Credit, not only do they understand it, but they specialize in land financing. They've been doing it for over 100 years. They make loans for small and large acreage, hunting property, timberland, farm and pasture land, even home mortgages and construction. They've got a ton of great benefits, including long-term fixed rate financing for up to 20 years, down payments as low as 15%. They have competitive rates and they pay an average of 25% of the interest back every year as what they call patronage. So they're, they're a cooperative, which means they share in their profits with their member borrowers. So for example, guys, on a $300,000 loan at 6.5% for 20 years, you would get back $2,770 each year. Just another thing Ag South Farm Credit did for you guys. Experienced lending staff as well that knows land and knows how to finance it. Guys, I know we're all getting to that point in our lives. I know I am as well. Where you're starting to think, you know, maybe I want to get a house. Maybe I want to get some land. Maybe, you know, I, maybe I want to take that next step in life. And when you're going to take that next step, you need someone you can trust, someone you can count on, someone you can depend on. Ag South Farm Credit is just that. A lot of you guys have been hitting me up asking me, Obviously, it's Ag South Farm Credit, right? So, is Ag South Farm Credit just for farmers? You know, that, honestly, when they first approached me, I was like, is this like for just farmers? Like, what is this? Actually, not at all. So, their mission is to, to support rural America, and that can include just about anything that involves the per purchase of land. So, a lot of their customers are those that just want a piece of property outside of town that they can live on. So you do not have to be a farmer, guys. This is something where if you want land in general, hunting land, it can be farmland, but a mortgage, land to build a house on, anything in that regard, Ag South Farm Credit can handle it for you. For more questions about what Ag South Farm Credit can do, call 844-AG-SOUTH. Or you can visit their website, agsouthfc.com slash T-S-U-S. Again, that's A-G-S-O-U-T-H-F-C.com slash T-S-U-S. Ag South is an equal housing lender, NMLS 619788. 
Again, their website, agsouthfc.com slash TSUS, or give them a call, 844-AG-SOUTH, and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. All right, let's get into it. Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show, as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Got a packed show today. We're talking football. We're talking basketball. We're talking everything today. I'm very, very excited for today's show. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Hope everyone's staying warm. I'm recording this, obviously, on Wednesday night, Wednesday afternoon. Cold one out there, man. It's gotten cold in the state of South Carolina right now. It's crazy. It's just we went straight from summer to just winter I think we skipped the whole fall thing it's like a low of 18 degrees or something crazy like that so make sure you're bundled up it's you know we've moved we've moved right into winter it's absolutely absurd but appreciate you guys tuning in as always real quick thing housekeeping item as I always let you guys know if you could do me one favor rate subscribe share and download the Spurs Up show do me a favor whatever whatever platform you listen to this on iTunes Spotify Stitcher Google Play whatever it may be click the pause button right now Go leave a five-star review. Go leave your feedback, your thoughts, your comments. It's a great way for us to interact so you can tell me what are some things you like, what are some things you don't like, some things you want to see on the podcast specifically or any content that I do with the Spurs Up show. Let me know, but if you could do me a favor, go leave a five-star review. Thank you to those that have already done so. It makes a big difference in regards to the Spurs Up show. So I really, really, really do appreciate you guys. Appreciate that as well. All right, let's talk about South Carolina Texas A&M Gamecocks traveling to College Station. Before we do that, right before we jump in, I got to tell you guys about my friends over at MyBookie. Yes, my friends at MyBookie. During Thanksgiving week, MyBookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. So, guys, simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congrats. You win the money. You've got extra holiday spending money. If you lose – Congrats as well, because guess what, guys? My bookie's going to give you all your money back. There's no risk here. It's a no-brainer because you literally can't lose. It's no risk, all gravy. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. My bookie welcomes all to come play. So quit waiting around and sign up today. Guys, do you ever find yourself watching maybe these Maction games or these Sunbelt, a.k.a. Fun Belt games or SEC football or – Carolina football or NFL, do you ever just watch yourself, find yourself watching sports and wanting to bet on sports, but maybe you've never done it or you've only done it through a buddy of yours or you just have a lot of questions about it and it's kind of confusing to you? Don't sweat it, guys. My bookie's got you taken care of. Their patient customer service team can walk you through the process. And the best part is if you join this Thanksgiving week, you'll have one of the last shots to take advantage of their incredible sign-up offer. Just log on to mybookie.ag. Again, that's mybookie.ag, and make your first deposit with promo code GAMECOCKS, and mybookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. Guys, that's on top of the risk-free bet. So if you put in that 250 for the risk-free bet, guess what? They're going to give you another 250 to play with. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. Again, that's a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet for Thanksgiving only. So if you're a true football fan, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply cannot lose. Make sure you do your part to support your team this season. Hop on the gravy train and get on the action with my bookie. Remember, guys, on my bookie, 
You play, you win, you get paid. All right, it's Texas A&M week. Let's talk South Carolina, Texas A&M, Gamecocks traveling to College Station. 7.30 kickoff on the SEC Network at Kyle Field. A&M, the spread in this one, very interesting. Texas A&M open as a 10-point favorite. That line has since moved to the Aggies' favorite by 11 points. So the money coming in on Texas A&M, obviously, overrunner set at 50 and a half. The series history, I don't think anyone needs a reminder. South Carolina's never beaten these guys. A&M leads 5-0. Last time they met, which was last year, in a very back-and-forth, very tight game, Texas A&M able to pull it out at Williams-Brice, 26-23. As far as the injury report's concerned, Tavian Feaster, Ortre Smith, A.J. Turner, Will Muschamp updated those guys' status on Tuesday, are most likely out. He said they were questionable, which is telling me they're going to be out. Um, take it for what it's worth. I think they'll most likely be out in this one. Jalen Nichols also out for this football game, offensive lineman. Uh, good news for the Gamecocks, though. Brian Edwards and Shai Smith are both good to go, especially getting Shai Smith back, who's got to be one of your big playmakers in a game like this. You've got to have him. Again, Brian Edwards got nicked up in the Appalachia State game, did come back in, had a touchdown in the fourth quarter, but good dear, he's doing fine. But getting Shai Smith back, whether it was a hamstring, whether it was a suspension, I'm not going to say what it was because I don't really know, but whatever it is, to get Shai Smith back is a big, big, big deal for Ryan Linsky in this offense. So very good news for South Carolina there. Uh, breaking down Texas A&M, their head coach, obviously Jimbo Fisher, 6-3 and three overall, 3-2 three and two on the season. They have wins over Texas State, Lamar, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and UTSA, and losses to Clemson, Alabama, and Auburn. So you look at Texas A&M, and I mean, they were regarded to have one of the toughest schedules in the country, same as South Carolina, but they don't really – I mean, what's the, what would you say is their most impressive win? I mean – Ole Miss, Mississippi State, I mean, they've lost to the big three teams they've played, and they've beaten the rest of kind of the mediocre teams and the bad teams. So, either way, though, six and three overall, pretty solid record, better than the Gamecocks, um, and they'll be looking to move to seven and three and make it six in a row over South Carolina on Saturday. And let's jump into the top storylines. And my number one storyline going into this weekend, it has to be, just simply put, like, what is the response from this team on Saturday. You come off an embarrassing, embarrassing loss at home to Appalachian State where you fail to show up on senior night in a home game at Williams-Brice. How does this team come out? I'm very, very intrigued to see just the morale of this team. You know, a night game on the road in the SEC – how does this team come out? I mean, do they come out ready to play, motivated? Because, you know, technically, I mean, if you, you really want to get technical, South Carolina, if they win their last two games, they are going to a bowl game. But you can't win the last two if you don't win this one first. But how do this – what is just – what is the overall morale of this football team? You know, we had Alex McGrath on the show earlier this week. He said he thought they had quit. They looked like a team that had quit. And it's hard – you know, that's a very strong take and a take really most people don't want to make. Even I'm, like, walking the line on it, like, ah, I don't know if you really want to say that. But you look on the field, I mean, it's hard to argue almost. You know, it's hard to argue. So, do we see a team that's disinterested, looks like they've quit on the season, feels like they have nothing to play for? Or do we see a team come out fired up, excited for the opportunity to put the pads on, excited to put the op for the opportunity to wear the garnet in black? I, know, I mean, obviously, I know what we're all hoping to see. Because every time you get to put that jersey on, it should be special. It should be an opportunity to go to display your skills, 
for the University of South Carolina. But how does this team overall react? What's the mood in the locker room? What's the mood the guys come out? I think we're going to know very, very, very quickly has this team moved on from App State? Because if you're not careful, that App State loss is going to beat you twice. No doubt. That App State loss will beat you twice. So has this team moved on from that game? I think it'll be something to watch. Um, another big storyline, something very interesting, and I saw this on social media today, but this, for whatever reason, seems like the year of breaking streaks. Will that continue on Saturday? Gamecocks have broken streaks. You know, had, you had a winning streak over UNC that was snapped. Um, you know, you had technically, I guess, you had a winning streak over Alabama that was snapped. Uh, you had a winning streak over Mizzou that was snapped. You had a losing streak to Kentucky that you snapped. You had a losing streak to Georgia you snapped. Um, you had a winning streak to Tennessee that was snapped. You had a winning streak over Vandy that was extended. You had a winning streak over App State dating back to the 80s, granted, but still a five-game winning streak that was snapped. It means it, What does it really mean in the grand scheme of things? Probably means nothing, but this has been a wacky year. We, we can all attest this has been a crazy, crazy year beyond reason or logic. Could South Carolina break another streak? They're facing two streaks in the year, five straight losses to Texas A&M and five straight losses to Clemson. Could we see South Carolina snap a streak this weekend in College Station? Obviously, I think it'd be a huge win. Get the monkey off your back. You know, it's just South Carolina has been so close in these games with Texas A&M. And, again, they've only played five times all time in Texas A&M. Won all five games. We all remember the first one, right? 2014, first game on the SEC Network, which a lot of you, I know I threw the highlight on social media, said started this entire downward spiral. The last time South Carolina was ranked in the top ten, that game. Um, but I don't know, just kind of a funny storyline. Like, this has been the year of streaks for South Carolina. This has been the year of breaking streaks. Do they have it in them to break one more? Do they have it in them to break one more streak? Because, again, I know how I'm feeling. I know how you all are feeling that this season feels like almost somewhat of a lost cause at this point. But, you know, there's the opportunity. The opportunity is there to snap a five-game losing streak to Texas A&M and get that monkey off your back. So in a season that's been as unpredictable as this and just as wacky and crazy and defying all logic like this one has, who knows? Who knows? But very, very interesting the way the game got. Again, what does it really mean going to this game? Probably nothing, but just very interesting the way this season's gone as far as extending streaks, breaking streaks. It's, it's been crazy. Um, I already just talked about it, but a big storyline on this one again. Do or die for bowl eligibility. South Carolina sitting at four and six overall with two games to play. Obviously has to have this one if it has any hopes. And again, I'd say their hopes are extremely slim already. But has to have this game to have any hopes to go into the Clemson game with the chance to get to a bowl game. Um, again, it kind of almost goes back to how does the team approach this football game? Is that something that's on their mind? I forget who it was, but uh, – some publication, some I think a paper or something put out an article talking about the sense of urgency, which I think is a little silly because you should always have that sense of urgency every time you step on the field and every single week, no matter who you're playing and what's on the line. But the sense of urgency for this team, knowing that it has to win both games to get to a bowl. You know, how, how does that factor into the game plan, the aggressiveness, the way the team approaches the game? How does that all factor in? Um, I, I think it'll be interesting to see. More so on the field now. A key storyline has to be in this game, the running game. Does, can South Carolina get any production 
from its running game. Last week against App State, 27 carries, 21 yards. That is not a recipe for success. And I think you saw Will Muschamp admit that in the postgame presser, and I think the Tuesday presser as well. He basically has admitted multiple times that this team's not going to win football games if it cannot run the football. It's just not. And I've said many times on this show, having Ryan Holinsky throw the football 50-plus times, hell, having him throw it 35-plus times is not a good recipe for success for this South Carolina football team. And it's not normally a recipe for success for anybody when you're asking a true freshman to do that. The Gamecocks have got to be able to run the football. Does it hurt they don't have Tavian Feaster? Yes, it does. You'd like to have him. But you got capable backs back there, man. You got, you got Rico Dowdle. You got Kevin Harris. You got Deshaun Fenwick. You've got capable guys. You got Mon Denson. You've got capable, capable guys back there who can tote the rock. Now, will the Gamecocks offensive line show up and open some holes? Will we see creativity in the running game? That's something I'm going to get to in just a second. But the running game has to show up for South Carolina for them to even have a chance in this football game. If the Gamecocks have a similar rushing performance as the way they did last week, you can completely forget about it. You, you can just completely forget about the Gamecocks having any chance to do anything in this football game. So the running game's got to show up. Again, whether that's running backs running better, offensive line opening more holes, being more creative in the run game, play calling, I think it's probably a combo of all three. Everybody's got to be better. Everything in the run game, the run scheme, has got to be better against a tough, stingy Texas A&M defense. Um, another big thing to watch for Gamecock fans, especially because we haven't got to see him play a ton this year, but uh, Kellen Mond, the really, cha- the really talented Texas A&M quarterback, having a pretty solid year for the Aggies. 17 touchdowns on the year passing to just six interceptions. He's also ran. He's their second leading rusher. He's ran for 353 yards, six touchdowns. A true dual threat guy for Texas A&M. How does South Carolina contain him? They've got to find a way defensively. I know the Gamecocks have been better on defense this year, but South Carolina has not faced a quarterback like this, I mean, really since Tua maybe? I mean, all season? I mean, if I'm forgetting someone, I apologize, but I can't think of the last quarterback, true dual-threat guy like this. Um Again, for this Texas A&M team as a whole, too, it's been a very up-and-down year, a lot of inconsistency. But, again, they've navigated their way to a 6-3 and three record, 3-2 three and two in the SEC. But Kellen Mond, for Gamecock fans that have not seen him this year, that maybe don't know a lot about him, which I'd find it hard to believe you didn't, but maybe don't know as much about him, he's going to be a big-time player in this football game. And if South Carolina wants to have a chance in this football game, they're going to have to limit him. Because he's going to get his, right? He's a good player. He's going to get his yardage. But you've got to do your best to limit him. That's going to require T-Rob, Will Muschamp, being creative on the defensive side, coming up with exotic blitzes, some spy packages, some zone packages, get him moving outside the pocket and having someone there, getting pressure with four rushers. I mean, South Carolina is going to have to play very well on defense or it will get shredded by Kellen Mond. Um, another storyline that I don't think anyone's really talking about, and again, the stats are still really good. So I, I am not at all saying that, oh, he's having a bad year or anything crazy. But, and if I'm the only one, I guess it, it, it is what it is. But I wrote down here in my notes, 
where in the world is Javon Kinlaw? <laughs> I mean, where have have we heard? I, I have we heard from Javon Kinlaw in the last three games or so? I mean, and again, not taking anything away from Javon. I understand there's other guys there. He gets double teamed. He gets triple teamed. I get it, but. It feels like Javon Kinlaw's due for a big game. You know, he had such a hot start of the year. There's all these highlights of him, the big plays he was making, shoving the Alabama offensive guard, you know, in the backfield. And he had such a hot start of the year. And I feel like he's cooled off a little bit. So, like I said, where is Javon Kinlaw? You know, can he be a guy for South Carolina that steps up and has a big game on Saturday? Because Texas A&M likes to run the football. They got a good running game. South Carolina is going to need to be good on the interior of the defensive line, and Javon Kinlaw is going to need the need to lead the way. You know, again, for the Gamecocks to play well as a team, their playmakers have got to make plays. It's just period. And Javon Kinlaw is one of your playmakers. He's got to make plays. So, I think this week's a challenge. I think I, you know, I, I don't know what the coaching staff or anybody's doing behind closed doors, but if it was me, I'd be challenging Javon Kinlaw because, again, I'm not saying he's played bad by any stretch. Again, he's doubled and tripled every week. I get it. But big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games, and Javon Kinlaw is a big-time player. He is. But I feel like we haven't heard his name called a bunch lately. So I'll be curious to see what type of game he has for South Carolina. My last storyline, offensive creativity. (laughs) I mean, this week has obviously been a tumultuous week in South Carolina football. A lot of hot takes on Will Muschamp. A lot of just takes in general, I guess. I wouldn't call them hot at this point. But a lot of takes on Will Muschamp, the offense, Brian McClendon, most thinking Brian McClendon's going to lose his job at the end of the season. What type of offensive game plan do we see from South Carolina on Saturday? Because, again, I mean, I, I, it's probably a foregone conclusion at this point that Brian McClendon is going to be gone at the end of the year. But – I mean, heck, having two really good games on offense wouldn't hurt his cause, I don't think. South Carolina just simply cannot go out there against Texas A&M. You're, 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 an under, you're a double-digit underdog. Like, what do you have to lose here? Get creative. Call trick plays. Throw some exotic run plays. Like, do something different. Because what you did against App State, it didn't work. Running the same run play up the middle 20 times is not going to work on Saturday. You know, maybe throw the ball down the field as well. I don't know. But what is the offensive game plan like? How much creativity do we see from Brian McLennan and company? Because, again, whatever you did against App State, it ain't going to work. And I think what South Carolina – you know, the the offensive playbook – again, the play calling has been in question for a long, long time, and I'd say pretty much all season, which is why Brian McLennan is probably looking for another job the day after the Clemson game. But I'm just curious, going into this game, I mean, does he maybe feel the heat and understand that he needs to open the playbook? Is he maybe going to take some direction from a guy like Dan Werner, maybe Bobby Bentley? Is anybody giving suggestions at this point? The the offense has got to open up. I mean, the offense has got to open up. Be damned whether he keep his job or not. Just for his own sake. Open the playbook up. What's the offensive creativity like? Is there any? It's going to be a big storyline to watch if South Carolina can finally get aggressive and just open the playbook. I mean, really, open the playbook and get aggressive and get deceptive and run different sets and put guys in position to make 
plays. That's what it's all about. Let's move to some key matchups to watch now. I got three key matchups to watch. I'm going to start defensive back J.C. Horn against wide receiver Jamon Osmond. Jamon Osmond, 51 catches, 698 yards, and three touchdowns on the year. He's second on the team in touchdowns. A big body guy, six foot two, really physical, can go up, get the football. J.C. Horn, I want to say one thing. I want to say one thing about J.C. Horn. J.C. Horn is a guy – and if you guys have followed me long enough, which you probably have, you're listening to the show, I've been tough on the secondary. I have been tough on the secondary. And I've been tough on J.C. Horn from time to time. And it's not because they're not good or solid or whatever. The expectations coming into the season were so high. You know, we heard the 24-7 talk, and Israel McQuamu and J.C. Horn could be the best one-two punch in the country, and – you know, you talk like that in the offseason, you better be able to back it up. Bottom line. I will say this. I've had some criticism of J.C. Horn. Obviously, he got burnt against Vanderbilt. That was one thing. I had some criticism there. But he's been a guy, and it's unf- – again, it's un- I don't know what he has to do to buy an interception, but what I was going to say, he's been a guy that you have not heard J.C. Horn's name called a lot. And I, that's a good thing because people are not throwing his way. He has locked his man down for most of the year. I mean, I would say for most of the year, J.C. Horn has done a good job locking his man down. Now, can he do it on Saturday again? Because Jamon Osmond is their number one target, is a guy that can go make plays, is a good route runner. He's physical, got good hands. It's going to be a challenge. This is going to be a big-time matchup on the outside. A guy Kellen Mond likes to go to, a guy he likes to get out of the pocket and throw to on the run. J.C. Horn needs to have another good game. He's got to have another good game for South Carolina. Absolutely has to. Would love to see this be the first game he gets his first career pick. Because, again, to think of a guy like J.C. Horn with his skill set and he doesn't have a career interception yet in basically two full years is pretty mind-blowing when you truly think about it. But, again, I understand he doesn't get thrown out a lot, but would love to see it happen. But, again, J.C. Horn, Jamon Osmond, going to be a really fun matchup to watch. Probably two guys are going to be playing on Sundays. All right, second key matchup, linebacker Ernest Jones against quarterback Kellen Mond. This is a big one. (laughs) This is a big one, guys. Kellen Mond, second leading rusher on the team, like I talked about earlier, 353 yards, six touchdowns, a true dual threat guy. Who's going to be that dude that's going to stop Kellen Mond in the run game? Because I fully expect Texas A&M to get Kellen Mond out of the pocket, for Kellen Mond to go on some design runs. He's obviously going to take off throughout the game. You know, I like Ernest Jones. I don't know who it'll be. I'm just taking a wild guess. But I like Ernest Jones as being the guy that spies Kellen Mond. I think Ernest Jones has a lot of football, has great football IQ, has a lot of athleticism, is a guy who knows how to play the game, plays it the right way. Very disciplined, disciplined player. So, this is a big matchup because, again, Kellen Mond's going to get his yards, but you've got to limit him in some capacity. You've just got to limit him. You've got to. So, I think Ernest Jones can be that guy. And if he can't, <laughs> it's going to be a long night for South Carolina. Uh, my final key matchup to watch, quarterback Ryan Halinski against the 12th man. Last time we saw Ryan on the road was not pretty in Knoxville. And again, I'm not, you know, not going to say the crowd was the entire factor, but was not pretty. Not pretty for the entire Gamecocks football team. 
But College Station, a different environment, a night game. It's going to be raucous, rowdy, a crazy, crazy crowd. Texas A&M prides themselves on the 12th man. Ryan's got to stay composed, poised, get the ball to his playmakers. You've got Shai Smith back, which should help a ton. You've still got Brian Edwards, who is a do-it-all guy, record setter, arguably the greatest wide receiver in South Carolina history. So just the overall play of Ryan Alinsky is going to be pivotal in this one. I know I already talked about the running game, and I could have went running game here for the third key matchup, but Ryan Alinsky's got to have a good game as well. He, he's got to. He's absolutely got to have a good game for South Carolina to have a chance. So, again, the three key matchups in this one, defensive back J.C. Horn against wide receiver Jamon Osmond, linebacker Ernest Jones against quarterback Kellen Mond, and quarterback Ryan Holinsky against the 12th man. All right, let's get into the keys to the game for Saturday, my three keys to the game. First key, I just talked about it. Get the ball to your playmakers. Simply put, I think Ryan's been doing a pretty good job of this. I know they've given him a lot of short throws, a lot of throws within five yards of the line of scrimmage which has gotten his completion percentage up a ton. But that's good. Get, your, get the ball in your playmaker's hands. Rico Dowdle, Brian Edwards, you get Shy Smith back. Should be a huge boost to this offense. Kyle Markway, Xavier Leggett. Ryan's got to use the playmakers around him. Let the guys around you help. You don't have to be a hero. You don't have to be a, a superhero and do it all. Let those guys work for you. I think he will. I think they've actually been doing a decent job of that. I'd like to see with a guy like Shai Smith back, them stretch the field vertically and give their playmakers a chance to make big plays, I should really say. Give Brian Edwards a chance down the field to go up and moss a guy. Give Shai Smith the chance to go down the field and burn a guy. Xavier Leggett, same thing. I mean, give your playmakers a chance in space to make big plays. Because those five, ten-yard dink and dunks, I mean, they're good and everything. They look great on the stat sheet, and they're good for completion percentage. But in a game like this, you're going to need big plays to win. So get the ball to your playmakers. Get the ball to your playmakers in space. Um, second key to the game, limit Kellen Mond in the running game. You're going to have to. Kellen Mond's a guy. He's going to get his yardage. He's, he's a good quarterback. I like Kellen Mond's game a ton. I've been saying that since the preseason. But South Carolina has got to limit him. The biggest thing that is a backbreaker against quarterbacks like these is you got them third and seven, third and eight. We see it all the time with Connor Shaw. They scramble out of the pocket, get the first down, keep the drive alive. That, that is the biggest backbreaker for a defense. Gamecocks cannot allow it to happen. They've got to find a way to limit Kellamon, especially in the running game. Again, limiting the passing game, sure, but take away his running ability. Take away the running game there. That's going to be a big key to me. Um, my third key to the game is pretty simple. And it's self-explanatory. Just play with nothing to lose, man. I mean, what do you have to lose at this point? You're a double-digit underdog. You go on the road and lose, so what? You were, you, were, you were not supposed to win. If you go on the road and lose this game, whatever. Nobody's going to say you should have won the game. But come out and play with, with – just play with a chip on your shoulder and just – have some fun. I mean, be aggressive. Take shots. Run a trick play. Call some blitzes. I, I don't know. Do something. Come out and play with some fire, intensity, some pride. Play pissed off. But play loose. Again, play with nothing to lose. You don't have anything to lose here. People are expecting you to lose your last two games. Come out and shock the world. Have some fun doing it. So, 
My three keys to the game again, I'll go over them. Get the ball to your playmakers, limit Kellen Mond in the running game, and play with nothing to lose, guys. All right, I'll have my prediction for the South Carolina Texas A&M game on Friday's show. Let's move into some South Carolina basketball. Gamecocks men's basketball taking on Cleveland State, the Cleveland State Vikings out of the MAC Friday at Colonial Life Arena. So to give you guys just a quick update, I will be doing these as far as getting in. This is going to be a very brief preview, by the way, but just I will be doing these as far as previews and recaps on the podcast. Previews will drop probably the day before the game, and then recaps will be day after the game. So just kind of bear with me. Obviously, we're getting into basketball season while we're still in football, so it kind of makes things sort of weird. We'll also have a written preview of the game uh, today on the SpursUpShow.com. So if you want to read that, should be some really, really good stuff in there, some tidbits as far as Gamecocks looking to move to 3-0. and Cleveland State, their head coach is Dennis Gates. They're 1-2 and overall in the season when you take a look at this game again. This, these type of games are more about South Carolina less about Cleveland State, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I think the Gamecocks will get the win. I expect them to get at least a 20-point win. I've got 77-54 written down here. I think the Gamecocks continue to build here, kind of find their continuity. It's really right now finding out who your guys are. Who is your best five out there? And who's your best guy in the middle, down low? Is it Frank? Uh, is it McCreary? You know, is it Levique? Is it, uh, you know, who is it? Who is it? Who's your rotation of guards? Like, who are your guys that you're going to be rolling with as you get deeper in a non-conference play when you get this, the competition gets stiffer? And then, obviously, when you get into SEC play. So, again, I think South Carolina, Friday night game, I will be there at Colonial Life Arena. Uh, very, very excited to watch this men's basketball team once again. I think they get a big win Friday night at home, though. I've got 77-54 to 54 Gamecocks. I think it's a big blowout win. I think the Gamecocks move to 3-0 and on the season with a victory over the Cleveland State Vikings. Um, all right, some news and notes real quick before we get into these listener questions. Uh, first things first, Gamecocks pick up a commitment. 2023 star running back Rashad Amos, a kid out of the state of Georgia. Anytime you can go in the state of Georgia and get a kid um, is a big-time pickup. Um, so watch some of his highlight tape. Highlight tape very explosive. Um, has some good size to him, but a very, very explosive kid. So I think a good pickup, obviously, the – the guy that everybody's focused on is Marshawn Lloyd, but as much as you can build out that running back room, build out running back depth is going to be pivotal, especially you think after this year you're losing A.J. Turner, Rico Dowdle, Tavian Feaster, and Mon Denson. So you've got bodies to replace. You need bodies. Um, and, again, so what I, what I saw from his tape, I really, really liked. Really, really liked what I saw from his tape. Um, second thing, Bob Caslin's comments on Will Muschamp. Ray Tanner, the entire athletic department. Very, very interesting stuff. You guys did not see this. I've got it pulled up here. Bob Caslin said, quote, Coach Muschamp is my guy, my coach. That's the message. He will be my coach through the end of the season. And, and then, just like any other coach that's out there, whether it's a soccer coach, whether it's the equestrian coach, whatever, they're going to do an end-of-year assessment the athletic director does. Then – We'll see what's up. By the way, I love the fact that Bob Caston said, we'll see what's up. Um, he did talk about the buyout as well. Um, basically saying here, I'll pull it up here. He recognized the, and this is coming from the Greenville News, by the way. Shout out to the Greenville News. Um, basically talking about the buyout, he said, if I wanted to do that, I'm not saying I would, but where am I going to come up with $18 million? There's so much more as the president of a university I could do with the $18 million that a buyout at coach's contract. 
I could build a parking garage or I could revamp the stadium. There are so many things you could do. So why would I do that? So, and then he went into some more detail about the, the, the buyout and things like that. But I thought very interesting comments from Bob Castlin. Very, again, it's been a hot topic of conversation this week. You know, will Muschamp's job status, will he be back next year? Are there going to be coaching staff changes? Will Ray Tanner be back? I think Bob Castle sent a strong message. I, I really do. That he is – he's not a BS guy. Like, Bob Castlin to me, I love that he's a sports guy because he gets it. Bob Castlin gets it. And I don't think he's going to sit around and watch the South Carolina football program sink into the abyss under the current leadership. So – I think that's his message of you better get your shit together or we're going to be changing some stuff up real quick. So I love to see it. I know most Gamecock fans did as well. Uh, but, yeah, very, very interesting comments from Bob Casson. So, all right, let's get in these listener questions. I actually have two voicemails for today's show. So we'll start the voicemails, uh, and then we'll go through the questions. Hey, Chris. Briggs, uh, I'm never a guy who calls in on a show. Uh, it's my first time calling in on any kind of show. From Columbia, went to school at Citadel, been a fan always. Dad's side of the family, uh, big fan. Everyone went to Carolina. Uh, and watching your, listening to your show, um, at first I was starting to get agitated because kids on saying, much chance not the guy, much chance not the guy. And I'm thinking, hey man, give some qualitative, maybe even some quantitative analysis why he's not the guy. I, I agree with you, he's not the guy. Um, but then you did go into and you, you gave some analysis that I really agreed with. And um, same, same, same thing happened at Florida. And then what I also agree with is when you said from the top is to blame. And I think it's the AD Ray Tanner. We should have never, we should have kept him in the dugout. I mean, if it's not, it's not broken, why fix it? And at the time when Ray Tanner left the dugout, we had the best baseball program in the country. So why do you make a change like that? And like you said, what, what decisions has Ray Tanner made that has benefited the athletic department in South Carolina? Uh, people have, oh, Frank Martin. Ray Tanner didn't hire Frank Martin. Ray Tanner didn't hire Don Staley. Ray Tanner didn't hire our, our women's soccer coach. Um, so that, that, that's huge. And then I think there, we're at a dilemma in the university because we have a new president that I don't think is going to make a decision to get rid of an AD and a football coach. So I think the the school, as far as the athletic department and the football program is concerned, is in real trouble. I think uh, Carlson's going to be a great president, uh, West Point guy, I'm a military guy. Um, he's an athlete at West Point. I think he's going to be a great president. But I, I don't think he's going to make – that move because he's a military guy. He's, he's extremely loyal. Ray Tanner, Will Muschamp are likable guys. They're great guys, and that's why I'm, I'm so afraid of that. No one's going to make that decision uh, that needs to be done in order for things to make a turn for the better. But hey, really love your show. Um, again, first time caller. Uh, appreciate your analysis and uh, go Cox. All right, appreciate the voicemail break. So it's kind of funny. So this, uh, he called in on Monday. So I think probably the comments that Castlin made uh, Thursday or excuse me Wednesday morning uh, will probably sway that opinion just a little bit because I think Castlin showed that he he may be the guy to make that move. But uh, 
but yeah, I, I, you know, I've spoken on Ray Tanner and it's tough because I'm a baseball guy. Like I, I, I played in college. I mean, I love baseball, you know, love Carolina baseball, you know, like most of our fans do. And it's tough. Cause like, I've got this soft spot for Ray because I mean, he won two national titles, but he's not an AD. I mean, that's just, that's just the only way to put it. He's not an AD. He's not a negotiator. He's not a businessman. He's not a fundraiser. He's terrible in the NCAA. Like you said, I mean, he hired Will Muschamp. And, I mean, I don't like to throw Mark Kingston in that category. Like, oh, well, he hired Mark Kingston just because, like, let's see what happens in year three, and then I'll start really making judgments on Mark Kingston. But, you know, because you'd think if he was going to get one hire right, that would be the hire right on the baseball diamond. But, yeah, there's just been a lot. I mean, it's there's been a lot to where it's – Ray Tanner just doesn't seem like the guy. And if he – the thing with me is, like, I think Ray Tanner's the loyal one. Because Ray Tanner's a coach's AD. He's been a coach. I think he's the one that will not have the stones to fire anybody, especially Will Muschian, because that was his dude that he hired. So, I think it's going to have to be Castlin. I think it's going to have to be Castlin, and I don't know. I just I, after the comments I saw in the Greenville News, I, I think Castlin could be the guy, and I think he will be the guy that will pull the trigger at some point. So appreciate the voicemail, though, man. Hey, Jeremy Alexa. Heard Will Muschamp said he would like Jake Bentley to come back next year, which is all fine and good. But what's he going to do with Luke Doty and and uh, Ryan Linsky? I mean, which one of them leaves just so he can accommodate Jake Bentley? makes absolutely no sense to me. The person who needs to be leaving is Will Muschamp. We've seen this show in Florida, and his four year he collapsed. They gave him another year. He brought in, what was it, the Canada guy. That offense collapsed and was gone next year. I mean, I don't know how long we got to keep putting up with this inferior coaching, the stupidity that he's got going on. I mean, the recruits that are coming in, I mean, how many of them are going to leave because he's such an idiot? Bring Jake Bentley back makes no sense. Let Jake Bentley go on and be with this what Jake Bentley's going to do. We, we appreciate everything he's done here at the University of South Carolina, but it's time to move on from Jake Bentley. So that's my comment. Uh, fire must camp. I've been saying that for the last four years. Go Gamecocks. All right, Jeremy, appreciate the voicemail, man. A um, lot of passion. I like that. Yeah, let me just say this. <laughs> let me just say this. Jake Bentley is not coming back. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care what Will Muschamp says. Jake Bentley is not coming back. Not a chance. And you know what? I didn't, po- I didn't put this on social media, but I think you guys on this podcast will understand my sense of humor better than – because, again, you guys know you throw something on social media and people take you so seriously or they don't know how to laugh at a joke or whatever. But I'll tell you guys, and I told my buddy this. South <laughs> – it's, let's just pretend it's September 5th, which is the date for the opening game next year. The Gamecocks are taking on Coastal Carolina. Out comes South Carolina out the tunnel, led by head coach Will Muschamp. Getting the start today at quarterback number 19, Jake Bentley, returning for his redshirt senior year. That scenario is cruel and unusual punishment, even for Gamecock fans. Like, the ship has sailed, man, like you're saying. Ryan Helinski's back next year. Luke Doty's coming in. Dak Joyner may stick around, but even if he doesn't, it's Ryan Alinsky and Luke Doty. I mean, this is Ryan's team at this point. And, you know, I, I, think, I think Ryan and Luke will have a battle, to be honest with you. I really think that'll actually be a good quarterback battle. But, 
I just don't – I don't see a scenario at all where Jake Bentley comes back. I, I can't even fathom that, to be honest. If, if, if that happens, I will be utterly shocked. I will be shocked if that happens. So, I don't think you have to worry about it, but we will see. That will be one of the more fun and interesting podcasts if Jake Bentley announces he is coming back next year. I can assure you. <laughs> Um, all right, let's get in these listener questions. We'll run through these really quick. Christian Bowman, one underscore oh three. Who would you like to see as a new offensive coordinator? Yeah, that's a great question because I don't know. I mean, people are throwing down the rain around the name Chad Morris. I don't know. Who are you going to get? What competent OC is going to want to come here and coach under Will Muschamp? Number one, they know his head's on the chopping block and he could be gone after a year. Number two, every offensive coordinator that works with him turns to shit. So what, what decent OC is going to want to come here? Like, I don't even really know at this point, to be honest with you. USC underscore access. Let's just win the two games. Let's do it. Why not? Uh, T underscore made underscore it underscore 34. Will Fenwick get any more carries this season? That's a good question. I, I don't know what Deshaun Fenwick's got to do to get on the field. I mean, I, I understand it's Rico Dowdle's backfield, and hopefully Deshaun's a guy that will stick around for next year because I think he will get the rock a lot more, but – He's played in two career games and ran for over 100 in both. Like, I don't understand what he's got to do to get the rock more often. Uh, Wilson Miller, when do you see Muschamp's departure into the 2020 season? I think for sure. I don't think he's gone after this year, unfortunately. Uh, Sam B. Brown, two. Do you see Oregon ending up ranked higher than Alabama? No, I do not. No, I do not. Uh, Thomas underscore Brady underscore H. Should we give Muschamp one more year with staff overhaul? I don't think so. I think I don't. Here's my question back to you: What's another six and six year going to tell you? Like, what's another average to below average year going to tell you that we didn't already know right now? The only reason you bring him back is because you think he can get this team to hell. I'll just say seven and five or better. Do you really think he can do that next year? Like, do you think he can lead South Carolina to an eight and four season next year? Because I don't – I don't see it. So, I mean, that's what will happen. That's what's going to happen. They're going to bring him back with staff overhaul. But you're putting a Band-Aid on a gash and not getting the wound taken care of, in my opinion. So, uh, Brennan underscore Smith 47. Luke Doty will be QB1. You heard it here first. Like I said, I, th- I actually think – that will be a really good quarterback battle. And I like Ryan a lot. I mean, I like Ryan a lot. I think he's great. But there's just something to be said about a dual-threat guy that can run and throw. I mean, that's kind of what you need in college football. So, you know, can I just say something? I, I won't be shocked if Luke Doty's a starting quarterback next year or at least splitting time and playing a lot. Because if, if he's the guy that everyone says he is, again, it's one thing to be the dude in high school and then translate to college. It's another thing to be the guy in college. But I think that'll be an, actually a very good battle. Because, again, I just think Luke Doty's dual threat ability is going to give him an opportunity to play and play early. So, we'll see. Now, it, it should be either way, iron sharpens iron. It's going to help both guys out. Uh, last question, the Cameron Cassidy. How far are we going in baseball this year, in your opinion? Baseball question, I love it. Um, I think a good goal for this team this year, um, you, you know, 
uh, obviously I'm going to get in all this in the baseball preview and in the spring and stuff, but never too early to talk about it. But uh, you need Carmen Majinski to pitch like an All-American. Obviously, everybody needs to stay healthy, but you need Carmen Majinski, who looked like a first-round draft pick in the fall, to be completely honest. I mean, hitting 97 miles an hour. But you need him to pitch like that dude. He's got to be that dude for you on Friday nights. You got to be. Got to be that All-American caliber arm, that first-round type of arm. Um, you got to solve some solve some holes in the lineup. You're going to have to solve a couple of holes in the lineup. Who are going to be your go-to guys, your clutch guys? Can guys from last year step up their game? I think re- a reasonable goal for this year's team and what I think South Carolina fans should – I'm not saying be happy about it because, listen, I think the goal every year is Omaha. I mean, no question. But coming off the year they had last season, I think a reasonable goal is this team to go – Couple games over 500, 16 and 14 in the SEC. You know, maybe you win a game or two in Hoover, even though we've been terrible there in, in our history. But, and get a two or, you know, probably a three seed in a regional. Getting back to the postseason. That's really what I'm expecting from this team. Now, once Gamecocks baseball gets into the regionals, it, you never know. It's on. It's on. I mean, we, we're good in the postseason. It's on. But, what I'm expect that's kind of what I'm expecting from this team. I think they'll have a bounce back year. You know, I think there's still going to be I don't know if growing pains is the right word, but I mean I don't know that we're still there a hundred percent. You know, it really just depends on some guys how they pan out. But you got we've got way more depth than we had last year. Quality arms, bats that I think that can contribute, guys in the field that I think can contribute. So we got guys there. And, I mean, this is a big year for Carolina baseball, obviously. I mean, I, it's, you know, it's a huge year. But I, I think that's a fair – that'll be a fair finish. That's kind of what I'm expecting, too. I think, again, it's just a – it's a team that's – we're going to see some flashes. The, S, the problem is the SEC is so damn tough. Vanderbilt, Georgia, Florida, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Auburn, LSU, like the list goes on and on. That schedule's brutal. That schedule's brutal. But again, I think this is a team that can be above, just above 500, maybe just above 500, if not 500 in the SEC, make, get back to the postseason. That is the biggest thing for this team to do, get back on the right side of things in regards to getting back to the postseason. So appreciate the question. I feel like I go on and on about baseball for sure. <laughs> All right, got a fantastic interview with former Gamecocks defensive lineman Sean Smith. Sean played 2001 to 2002, was part of the Gamecocks team that won the 2002 Outback Bowl. What a lot of people don't realize, too, Sean had a nine-year, excuse me, 10-year NFL career. Bounced around the NFL, but a really successful 10-year NFL career. We talked about so much from South Carolina football to his NFL career to Will Muschamp, current state of the program. Fantastic interview. I know you guys are definitely going to enjoy it. It's all brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Guys, whether you're going to Texas A&M, the Clemson game, any Gamecocks, basketball games, concerts, comedy club events, MLB, NHL, NBA, NFL, whatever it may be, whatever you need tickets to, SeatGeek has got it. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to get $20 off your first purchase. Guys, SeatGeek is the only ticket buying app I would ever recommend anyone to use. They're so simple. They're so easy to use. They've changed the game in regards to how we buy tickets. They've got a ticket rating system which rates the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting. 
So you're never going to get ripped off again. You're going to see the tickets. You're going to see what the deal score is. You're going to know what you're paying. You're going to be able to see other tickets in that section, how much they're going for. Is there a better deal somewhere else? You're never going to overpay for tickets again. Again, it makes it so easy. And again, they've got tickets to everything you can think of, especially Gamecock sporting events. So again, if you need tickets, go download the SeatGeek app, go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-R-S-U-P, to save $20 off your first purchase. All right, enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks defensive lineman, Sean Smith. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks football from 2001 to 2002. Over his career, he had 49 total tackles, two tackles for loss, and one sack. He was also part of the Gamecocks 2002 Outback Bowl champion team. He spent nine years in the NFL from 2003 to 2012 and amassed 244 career tackles, four sacks, and two forced fumbles. I'm very pleased to welcome the show former Gamecocks defensive lineman, Sean Smith. Sean, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Oh, man, thanks for having me on, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I want to go back to the beginning for you, Sean, because obviously you're a guy uh, grew up in Kansas, played your high school football in Kansas, and then stayed in Kansas to play at Butler Community College, went the community college route before you ended up at South Carolina. Uh, talk about first your recruitment out of high school, why you chose to go the community college route, and then how similar is it? I know it's not necessarily the same level because the uh, the TV show Last Chance You is JUCO versus community college, but how similar is it to that type of lifestyle as far as what they depict uh, depict on the TV show? Uh, what you see on the TV show is real life, though. A lot of people don't understand that. that is, JUCO is uh, a different breed. But if I even get into the JUCO situation, um, I was in Kansas because I moved to Kansas my junior, junior, senior year in high school from New York. Mm. And I just fell in love, fell in love with, fell in love with Kansas. Um, I was recruited highly for football and basketball, but my dad told me if I want to make it, go ahead and uh, play football because you have a better opportunity. Because mm-hmm. more people on the football field. I was highly recruited. I was uh, out of high school. I was going to go commit to Oklahoma State, but my grades wasn't right. So I had to do the JUCO route, and I thought about going to Division Two. Mm-hmm. Two, I had qualified for Division Two, but I didn't even do that. I said, you know, I'm going to go the JUCO route. Went the JUCO route. Was an All American. Had a bunch of sacks, and I was the number two <clears throat> defensive lineman coming out of junior college that year. It was me and another guy named Paul Brassard that he had committed to Mississippi State. Mm. And um, it was just it was crazy recruit process. I was being the number two guy in the nation coming out of JUCO, and I had all the schools in the world. And uh, my guy, Dave Roberts, recruited me South Carolina. Yeah, I was going to say, when, when did – obviously, being in Kansas, that's kind of like an w- interesting connection. When, when did South Carolina – come into play for you? Because I know it was an interesting time for the Gamecocks program. You know, they hire Lou Holtz in 1999. Obviously, things don't go the way you want that first season. But quickly turns around the program, wins the 2001 Outback Bowl, and then you obviously enroll in fall of 2001. But when did South Carolina come into play, and what were your first interactions like with Lou Holtz? I mean, my first interaction with Lou Holtz was, uh, was good and bad. <laughs> I'm saying like that. It was good and bad. The reason I say that is because 
For one, Lou's a great motivator, great motivator. And at the time when I came on my visit, I came on my visit right after it just won the Outback Bowl. Mm. So, you know, it's hectic, busy, everybody, you know, everybody's talking about, yeah, we're going to have the best recruiting class, recruiting JUCO, just trying to turn your program around. And it was good. It was, he motivated me, and I was like, man, wow, it would be great to play for, you know, a Hall of Fame coach. I remember watching him when I was young, when he was at Notre Dame. So, you know, I was like, oh, man, it's great. Mm. Uh, everything was good. Uh, Charlie Strong liked me. Uh, and Dave recruited me. The reason Dave recruited me is because that's the time when Juco was big for the SEC linemen. And mm. around 2001 through 2005, it was really crucial. SEC was taking, uh, like, schools like Ole Miss, Mississippi State, South Carolina was going heavy, heavy for Juco guys. Mm. And um, it was great with Lou. But the only thing, only problem I had was if I had to do it all over again, I would try, I would went to Auburn. Really? What? What's the uh, What's the reason? I went to Auburn because I just like. I mean, I had friends at Auburn. I had a lot of guys that was going to Auburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, my buddy Rudy Johnson was there because we played together in JUCO. He was there uh, influencing me. There was other guys there trying to influence me too. Reggie Tober, guys that played in the mix of the NFL, but it was just the fact. If I had to do it again, I would have went there. My, I felt like my opportunity would have been better. I didn't. Carolina used me, but I didn't feel like I was used right in the right system at first. Right, yeah, because I, I was gonna, because I was gonna ask you. You know, you got to Carolina that that uh, 2001 year. I mean, you had 11 tackles, a tackle for loss, like you said, didn't get used quite as much. As I'm sure you, you know, you expected. And I guess my question was going to be, what was the adjustment like for you from? Uh, you know, going from high school, then community college to SEC football. I mean, was it a smooth transition? Was it simply that you just weren't used enough? You think, or what was? I mean, what was the transition like going from the JUCO ranks to SEC football? Man, it was a big difference. I mean, yeah, I played in the best JUCO conference, the Jayhawk Conference of Kansas. You know, produced a lot of JUCO guys, a lot of great JUCO players. Um, Pat Moore, I never forget, man. Pat Moore, the shrimp coach <laughs> in Carolina, man. I threw up on my first day in the weight room. I really? never forget that. <laughs> I threw up my first day in the weight room because I wasn't used to the speed, the tempo in the weight room. In junior college, we didn't have tempo like that. We, we barely could afford some of the fancy stuff that, you know, these schools have, that Division One schools have. So when I came to South Carolina, I was like, man, I can get a bunch of pair of shorts. I didn't have to worry about it. Juco, you get one pair of shorts, that's it, unless you're a star player. <laughs> and I was a star player. I got an extra pair of shorts. You know, they look out for me if they can. But for the most part, I'm not Carolina. I'm like, man, this is heaven. <laughs> Train the table, food, and laugh. This is wild. Sure. You went from the projects to the suburbs, man. That's just how, <laughs> that's just how I felt. Like, hey, dorms is nice, everything. Um, which is a cool process, man. It was a cool process. Like, like I tell people to this day, um, I have no regrets about going there to Carolina. Carolina made me. Um, mm. It was fun. But back to the uh, to the waiver situation, I getting adjusted to the SEC in the in the weight in the weight in the weight room. And once I got acclimated 
with the wave of America, I started getting stronger as the season went on. And Pat Moore adjusted and showed me how it was really done. So that's why my tackle was down and my numbers. It was it was just difficult adjusting to the speed of the game a little bit too, and different plays instead of just you know in JUCO, I just hey see ball get ball. <laughs> mm-hmm. You could just play. A little bit, you know what I mean? And it was just more structure. And then just into a defense, coming from a Chuka 4-3 to going to a 3-3-5 defense was kind of different. Um, but it was still cool at the end of the day. Uh, the problem I had with Lou Holtz was the reason I thought I would have went to Auburn because at the time when I came to Carolina, Lou didn't like guys with long hair. So I had to cut my – I had dreads. Mm. It wasn't too too long, too long. But I was just had started growing or whatever. So I had to cut them, and that's the only problem I had. With. <laughs> I, had to, I, I, I had to, I had to cut them. And it was like, man, I wish I could have, I didn't have to. But you know, it's all lessons learned in the process mm. to maturing and growing up as a man. You know, mm. Lou taught me about life, and that's why maybe I'm so successful that I was successful in life. Um, now, I was going to say, now, now, Charlie Strong was your defensive coordinator, correct? Yeah, he was my defensive coordinator. Yeah, what was, uh, what was playing for him like? Because I know Charlie Strong, a guy that I know South Carolina fans definitely from that era still think of, and a guy that went on to become a head coach and be very successful. I mean, what, what, was, what was it like playing under the tutelage of Charlie Strong? Oh, man, it was great, man, to this day. <laughs> I mean, Charlie and Charlie's still cool. I talk to him every now and then once the blue moon. Uh, he's struggling right now down there in South Florida, but um, mm-hmm. I talked to him a lot, especially when he was at uh, the University of Texas because it was right up the road. Mm-hmm. I live out here in, uh, in Dallas, or Frisco, Texas, and it was right up the road. I used to see him when he come through Dallas to recruit and stuff. Him, Brian Jean, Mary, you know, um, Chuck was a good man, good guy. Show, you know, told me about the game of football, and he was hard. But, you know, he was hard on me. But he loved, I can say he loved the shit out of me, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He was like, I told you, you're going to make it. You know, just do what you got to do. Because I'll never forget, even my senior year, they wanted me to red shirt to come back. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lou, Lou and Charlie tried to give me the red shirt to come back. So I still had uh, – I said the red shirt and I had to come back from uh, another year. Mm-hmm. And I was just like – Nah, I, I don't want to, you know, because Langston Moore was leaving. Everybody was leaving. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I ain't, I'm ready to go, so get him. <laughs> I was just trying to stay in school <laughs> too much longer. I was like, ah, nah, I don't know if I can deal with all that. Stuff. <laughs> and I just, and I left. I decided to leave, though. But nah, I had great, great two years at Carolina, man. Make some good friends, still friends to this day. For sure. I was going to say one of the one of the great memories you made was after that during that 2001 season. You guys, South Carolina, obviously coming out off an Outback Bowl win. Uh, you guys are able to go back to the Outback Bowl, beat Ohio State again for the second straight time. Just you know, again, I know that first season wasn't exactly what you wanted, but how how cool was it to be part of a team that? Again, I mean, this was unprecedented success at South Carolina at the time. This is pre-Steve Spurrier, everything else. We all know the deal. But I guess how cool was it to be a part of that, really making history at South Carolina? Man, it was, it was great. I mean, it was just about the culture, bringing the culture back and winning, just the way the city and the atmosphere was. You know what I mean? So that's why 
see me sometimes go on my Twitter rant sometimes because it's like, man, you guys got it all. And and and, and you got it better than we had it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And it's like, come on now. You know what I mean? And it's not always all on the players either. It's part of what the coaching too. You know what I mean? But overall, I mean, it's just like, man, get that winning feeling back to mm-hmm. William and Bryce. You know what I mean? Everybody say Spurrier, Spurrier. Yeah, but Lou the one that turned it around. Turned the team around and went from 0 to 16. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and still turn around and turn the program around. That's what's turning the program around. Not winning a couple of games and thinking, oh, yeah, we bowled out. No, that's not – you want to be a dominant program. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. You know, people, people say we don't have the talent. Well, we got the talent. We got the talent. We're just putting them in a position. When you hear things about the team, they be at practice, but they don't tackle, and then you wonder why there's so many missed tackles on Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just yeah. In general. No, for question sure. Of- that's what they play calling sometimes. Like, come on, are you are you in it to win the games or just to sell, you know, sell stadium seats? Yeah. No, for I mean, first you make a good point, especially with the not tackling in practice. I think there's definitely something to be said for that. I, I, I want to get into that in just a second, Sean, but I want to ask you real quick, as a guy coming from the state of Kansas, obviously, um, doubt you were very familiar with the Carolina-Clemson rivalry, but obviously anybody that steps on campus and wears the garnet and black gets very familiar with it very quickly. Uh, you were able to go one and one against those guys. Had a big play against them in 2002 as well when you had the fumble recovery at Clemson. But just talk about that Carolina Clemson rivalry. When did it click for you just how big of a game it was? Man, it clicked the first year, my junior year, when I transferred there. And that's all they talked about. <laughs> it's like, man, we can lose every damn game of the season as long as we don't lose to Clemson. You know what I mean? Uh, when I played them, they had uh, Woody Dancer. And that boy mm-hmm. can run. You know, they had some talent. They had some, they had some good talent there. Um, the rivalry is just – it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. I mean, you know, they call it Death Valley. They call that the original Death Valley, not the LSU Death Valley. But um, it's crazy how the fans are and everything because it's like I know some of the guys – they went to school with some of the guys on the other side of the team. Uh, 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 at Clemson, and they used to mess with them. I'm like, man, y'all used to go to school together. Y'all boys, y'all tight, and now y'all enemies. It's like, no matter what, if y'all went to school, you could, your cousin could have been playing for Clemson, and you play for Carolina. You're going to hate them. It's, it's just, it's, it's just a, a war no matter what. I mean, that's a good rivalry. I think it's one of the best rivalries, as long as rivalries in the uh, college football. One of the best rivalries. No doubt. So that... the Florida games, you know that. But, right, you know, right, right, right. Yeah, definitely one of the definitely I'd say one of the best in the country as well, no doubt. Maybe even underrated. Uh, so I that think I, you just hit it on the money, underrated. I yeah. think I think it's one of the best, but it's underrated. No, for sure. So that senior year, two thousand two, Sean. Um, you know, we talked about it a little bit, but I want I want to dive into it a little bit deeper um, because you know, compared to your junior year, that senior year, I mean, you, numbers jumped up tremendously. Thirty eight t- tackles, one tackle for loss, a sack. You had the fumble recovery. What was it? What was the – I mean, I guess where did your game most improve going to the junior to senior year, or was it simply just getting more opportunities to make plays? Uh, a little bit of everything. Because um, I didn't play that much my junior year like that. I was just a role, mm-hmm. a role player, still had guys, and I was still trying to find myself, um, adjust to, you know. I had a lot of pressure. I'm not going to lie, I had a lot of pressure on me. Myself coming from Juco, being uh, All-American, 
coming off an 18 sack season, 18 and a half sack season in JUCO. Everybody was expecting a lot of things. And I just, to be honest with you, I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't know how to handle it. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm not afraid to admit it. So that's why I had like a bad, so you say, junior year. <laughs> um, and then you see my senior year, the numbers just changed dramatically because I was starting and uh, we actually went to a 4-3 defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started, you had your two best players, me and Langston Moore on the field at the same time instead of us rotating. Um, right. Uh, what, what else can I say about my senior year? Uh, it was just, I was in better shape. Um, shoot, when I met, when I came to, when I came to South Carolina, man, I felt like I made it to the NFL, to be honest with you, man. <laughs> just coming from just going with, with the shit I had to deal with and all that, and it was like I was in heaven. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, oh, I, I, I made it. You know what I mean? So I was like, forget it. And that was one of the reasons I was like, you know, when Charlie and, and Lou tried to give me the red shirt, I was like, nah, <laughs> because it's like, man, if I'm gonna make it to the pros, I'll make it. Whether you know what I mean, I, that's when they really start putting the pros to me. And I, I don't, I, ain't, I wasn't really thinking about it like that, like that. Mm-hmm. I was, but I wasn't. And I just never forget my pro day. Had a great pro day, and uh, I never forget. So he was the Atlanta Falcons scout, and uh, he was a Atlanta Falcons line coach, Bill Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just he liked me. And a couple other teams liked me. And I, hey, and from there, the sky was the limit. To be able to play 10 years in the NFL, being undrafted, says a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was, I was going to ask because, I mean, yeah, just moving into your pro career, again, like you said, you went undrafted in 2003, but a 10-year career, uh, bounced around a little bit. But, I mean, overall, we read off the stats, 244 total tackles, four sacks, two forced fumbles. You know, a lot, most people don't even get the opportunity to step foot on the field in the NFL, much less play 10 years. I mean, talk about just, you know, when you look back on your NFL career as a whole, you know, what kind of led to that? Because, again, going from undrafted to a 10-year career is – that's pretty impressive. I mean, that that is very, very impressive. No lie. Man, I was just uh, I was just motivated, man. I got uh, when I got the opportunity to play for the Cowboys as a rookie, um, undrafted, and they signed me. I could have went to a couple other teams, but you know they gave me enough to get they gave me what eighteen thousand as a signing bonus. Mm-hmm. And it was just it was just exciting to play for my childhood dream team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was like wow, a dream come true, and it was just like. Go from Lou Holtz to Bill Parcells. <laughs> I got Hall of Fame. I got Hall of Fame. <laughs> I, I, the, the grassroots is in, in, in better than me. So, <laughs> like, you know, Bill Parcells, if you knew Bill Parcells, you could ask me to tell you, man, he used to laugh. because like, man, why are you smiling every day? I said, Coach, because I could be working at Walmart. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he started to really believe me and buy into it. And, was there because I learned so much from Bill and I took what I learned from Lou and Bill to when I got cut and going to other teams, it was nothing. You could play for Lou Holtz and Bill Parcells, you could play for anybody. The structure and the way they are. So it was just, it was a lot of grit and will, will and not giving up. Man, I, you know, I'm not ashamed of her. It was times I cried to my mom, mm-hmm. uh, my wife, and all of that because, man, when you this. Football is a stressful, uh, a stressful game. People see the glitz and the glam, but they don't understand mm-hmm. the hard work and the behind the scenes stuff that you got to really deal with. You know, right? 
you know, guys battle depression. It's a, it's a whole bunch of stuff. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. crazy. I was going to say, I know you rep the Chiefs still, but like I said, you had a bunch of stops, including like Dallas, Arizona, New Orleans, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Detroit, uh, you know, Kansas City, like I said, Tennessee. Is, is Kansas City, was that your favorite stop overall? Is that why you rep them? Or which of the cities you played in was your favorite, would you say? Um, Dallas is Dallas is one of my favorite cities because that's where I started at. Right. I, I rep Kansas City because that's where I finished my career. Mm-hmm. And the fan base there loved me in a lot of stadium. In great fan base. You know great, I mean? great fan base, for sure. Fans love me there till this day, so it's like, cool. The fans love me in the other places I've been to. You know, you got the ones that hate me, you got the ones that love me too, <laughs> but it's, it's all good. But I'm always repping the Chiefs, uh, even though we got to ask this past weekend. <laughs> um I think I think you be you guys will be just fine with Pat Mahomes. I don't think there's anything to worry about there. Yeah, no, I just, but you know you just gotta those the games you're supposed to win separate right. you from everything else. You know what I mean? Just like we're supposed to win the Appalachian State game mm. separate us. You know what I mean? To at least that would have put us one more game away from being bowl eligible, whether we lose to Clemson or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? For sure. For just sure. just being smart. You know what I mean? And this Texas A&M game is not no going to be no easy game either mm. no for sure and, and that that's what i want to move into you next with sean obviously wanted to bring you on because you're a guy that like you mentioned you're you're very connected with the south Carolina program you're on social media you give your opinions and obviously this is a we talked off air this is a very uh very very interesting time right now in in the world of gamecocks football you know obviously steve spurrier came in done did things that had never been done before you're now in Will Four of Will Muschamp, and we're coming off a loss to Appalachian State, sitting at four and six overall in the year with Texas A&M and Clemson remaining. Obviously, you're you're a double-digit underdog in College Station, and will be definitely be a double-digit underdog against Clemson. Um, as someone who is an alumni, again, I, I know I, I saw you say on social media, and, and I, it's unfortunate that people that want to say you know you only spent two years at the school, blah blah blah, whatever. But as someone that's an alumni who's worn the gar- garnet and black, who you know, has put their blood, sweat, and tears into the program, and you're seeing it currently now. I mean, just what's – I guess what's your overall take on, first off, Will Muschamp and just where the program is and where the program is headed currently? Um, I just – how do I start? <laughs> <laughs> how do I start? I, uh, I just think – I just think – I. I Hats off to Munchamp, first of all. I'm not going to, you know, to say he's a horrible coach or nothing. Mm-hmm. He has he has won. He has a resume of winning, you know, at Florida and different places. He's stops he has made. But to me, he doesn't show enough passion. The first time you seen him show passion was the Florida game when we got cheated on the call. That's the first time you ever seen him show that much passion on the sideline towards a ref or anything. But I think he's just doing that because job is online he's not no you know he's a guy that he reads the paper he sees he hears it you know what I mean he hears what's going on mm-hmm. my thing is just like you don't make no adjustments you don't mm-hmm. make no adjustments and I'm not saying I know it all and I have coached before um some high school ball and I coached some arena ball so I understand what it is but you gotta make adjustments but when we do the same basic offense fake the uh the RPO, we do a lot of RPO, fake that, I mean, why? Why are we doing mm-hmm. that? 
When you, when you have talented guys that you can throw the ball to, and run a better offense, you know, uh, they say the OC supposed to be one of the next hot names, hot commodity names for a head coaching job. How when you can't you can't even run the ball? Mm-hmm. You know, um, she robbing the guys. Mustang, you're a defensive guy. Mm-hmm. Our defense, we should be tackling. <laughs> we have so many missed tackles a game. It's like, man. Pop water, you better watch a pop water game. I feel like sometimes I'm watching a pop water game or a JV high school game. Yeah, I was going to get your take on that because I know when Steve Spurrier was here, you know, practice, you know, football practice has obviously changed. I mean, there's no more two a days. Everything, everybody's so careful with everything. When Steve Spur- when Steve Spurrier was here, I know specifically they did not really tackle in practice at all. They tried to keep everybody healthy. And then obviously the tweets come out this week from Mason Zandy, which I'm not sure if you saw those, basically him talking about the way the – you know, just trying to explain the injuries, saying that guys are getting done with games at 11 p.m. and out at practice Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And he thinks the athletes are being overworked. I mean, I know obviously, you know, you're not in the building and not a guy – you know, we, we – I'm not in the building, but I'm not in the building. But even – you're not being overworked because mm-hmm. even if you're in the building, how much overworking can you be doing? Mm-hmm. Even in the pros, we're in the building, but we're not – it's because we're in the building. We're not overworking. So you're telling me sitting there watching film is overworking? No, you're practicing for a certain thing. I remember I remember no matter what, we had lose laws. So it was mm-hmm. a bunch of drills. Did you turn over circuit, roll your hips, fumble recovery, a whole bunch of stuff that we did before even practice started. If it wasn't good enough, guess what? We started back over to period 14. We could be at period 26. But we're going to start all the way back over. You know what I mean? It's a mindset and discipline that you have in your guys. Guys going, jumping off sides. You wouldn't have that. It's discipline. Mm-hmm. These guys are not disciplined enough. And I'm not calling them out or nothing like that. I'm just calling a spade a spade what it is. Mm-hmm. Because if your football IQ is what it is and it was smart, you wouldn't do the dumb things that we do sometimes, the dumb penalties. Right. It hurts us. The kids drives all the time. Once again, but these are still. 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid. Mm. So you have to show them. I can't sit here like I know everything. I know everything now, but I wish I knew the shit that I knew now. I wish somebody was able to tell me this when I was back, when I was playing then. Uh, kind of switching gears. I'm still sticking along with Will Muschamp is switching gears. I mean, I, I just want to get your opinion because um, I feel like this has gotten a lot better, especially since the Spurrier days. But h- how do you feel – the involvement of former players is currently? Because I know that's – I've talked about that with other guys, and they seem to be pretty happy with it. It seems like it's improved a, I mean, for a them ton guys, from what it was. Guys, I mean, for them guys, they're happy with it. I, 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 I'm not I'm not happy with it. Man, I don't even get a fucking media guy. But I'm in it. <laughs> mm. that, 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 I mean, a guy that played 10 years in the NFL, I'm not asking for you. You know what I mean? Ask for anything. You, but – Y'all want me to pay dues to the school I got my degree from and all that, but I can't even get a, a media guide every year that has my name in it. And you have my name up in your hallway, pro guy, played in the NFL for such such teams, mm-hmm. and I can't get a free media guide or even offer me to pay for it. Like, or the beginning of the year, you know, I run a couple of businesses, me and my wife. We understand customer service is key. So you got to let your people know that you appreciate them. Because mm. they paved the way. I bet you George Rogers did any goddamn thing he want around there. 
You're probably everybody right. Everybody don't notice. <laughs> everybody don't notice though. Mm-hmm. You never see Sharp come back. You have you ever seen his Sharp come back? No, no. He's, he, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Like, just, think, just think about it. There's other valid guys that play pro pro career. Not even just just the guys that play pro career. Let's talk about the guys that play pro, made it to the pros. They don't treat them guys right. They don't. You go to all these other universities, I get more love showing at all these other universities than I do it for my own university. Mm. And that's crazy. I don't bitch complain. I go for Nasdaq.com and order me a T-shirt. It's nothing. Mm. You know what I mean? It's nothing because that's my school. I'm still supported. But it's just like, wow. It's mm. the little things that come back. Because guess what? Your former players will help and recruit. Right. No, absolutely. Agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, I, th- I, 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 you I, know. Could tweet, I could tweet, I could tweet right now. One of our, a guy that's being recruited to South Carolina. If I tweet him, he's going to be excited because I got a blue check next to my name, played in the league a long time. And I'm a gun and I'm a game cop. Wow. They got, the, they got their former player. even coming trying to get me to convince me to come to school. That's what kids like. You got to give sure. them what they like and understand it. And I, I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I see how it's done in all these other programs and right. that are winning. Mm-hmm. That are winning. No, for sure. And I mean, that, that NFL experience, too, like you're talking about. I mean, it's just, you know. Come on. Yeah. A guy like Javon Kinlaw can relate to me. Because mm-hmm. guess what? He went to Juco route. I went to Juco route. Mm-hmm. So we have something in common. He's a he's a parent now. We mm-hmm. we have something in common. That's why I talk to him every now and then. Just encourage him. Something keep playing, man. You're a leader out there. Cause they watch you. Everybody feed off of that young man. Mm-hmm. And then DJ. Yep. No, for sure. For sure. So it's just, it's just crazy. It's just it's just hate week in and week out. Where I don't care if we lose, but let's lose to with a fight. I'm a competitor. Mm-hmm. You got to compete. And yeah, it didn't, didn't, it didn't feel like there was much of a fight in the uh, last weekend, we'll say. It just uh, – no, senior night no especially, fight. that was what surprised me, I think, the most. Yeah, it was no fight. And then it's like I look at the press conference, this guy, Mushev's in there with his weird Waldo glasses on looking like just dumbfounded. Like, come on, bro. Don't give us the ge- generic generic answer. Give us the real truth. Mm-hmm. Right? Made the ge- oh, yeah, we had packages for the other quarterback. So why didn't he use it then? <laughs> it was no difference. It was no difference from the Alabama game. Mm. We put the backup quarterback in to change it up just to run a little bit to get them off balance. That's true. Well, we was in the game. We was in the game all the way to the third quarter, all the way to the to the beginning of the fourth quarter. There's no way we go to Georgia and beat Georgia. You tell me the team that beat Georgia is not the same team that we have right now. Yeah, I think I think that's got what I think that's what's got most <laughs> most Gamecock fans, including myself, dumbfounded. I mean, that's uh, you you know, it, it's hard Florida, to explain. Even the game, even the Florida game, you take away that bad call, we win the damn game. Mm. So it's still room to say, but I just think Muschamp need to put more fight, right? Or or, or change up the offensive coordinator. Because I'm going to tell you something, either he's going to get fired at the end of the season or he's going to fire and change his staff up. Yeah, I, I, I think I think changes to the offensive staff are uh, 
imminent, and I think they're you know <clears throat> I think they're unavoidable. I don't think he's going to have much of a choice um, in doing that. So, Sean, I feel like we could go on this all day. I, I want to get you out of here. I don't, don't want to keep you on here too too long. But uh, just kind of switching gears back to your career at South Carolina. Um, when you look back on your career in Garnet and Black, you know, as up and down as it was, the highs and the lows, what would you say was your favorite memory at South Carolina if you had to pick one? Oh, wow. It's hard to say. Uh, I'll say, uh, what was that game? Uh, was it Alabama when they had Freddie Miller? We beat Alabama that year. Yeah, 2001. Uh, yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? That year, that was the year. The first win over Alabama by a South Carolina team. So that, that was actually the first yeah. one. Yep. And then we, uh, another good memory was, man, we was ranked number nine in the nation, I believe. And we went mm-hmm. and lost to Arkansas. If we beat Arkansas, we would have moved up into the top five that, that year. Mm-hmm. Those are my most memorable, uh, <clears throat> really memorable moments. Uh, at Carolina, as far as on the football field, I mean, I just love, I love, I love, I love Columbia, man. I haven't been back in a while, but the last time I've been back, it's it's uh it's growing. You know, all the sports are becoming a predominant predominant school. We're not just known for football; we're known for basketball, women's and men's. Our soccer program is great. You know, tennis, everything is is booming. Swim team. You know, just time to get the football program back yep. back on the wagon. Yep. Yeah, agree 100%. Well, Sean, appreciate you taking the time, man. I know I can speak for uh, all Gamecocks when I say it was a pleasure to watch you in Garnet and Black. And I, I know I can personally say I appreciate, uh, you know, you being, you know, f- I think it's important for former players to be vocal about their opinions and just tell it like it is and be honest. And I, I appreciate that about you. So, would love to have you back on again, talk some ball, talk some shopping. If you're ever back in Columbia, would love to link up. But uh, appreciate you taking the time. I mean, let's do it again soon. All right, man. I appreciate it. No problem. All right, perfect. So, for Sean Smith, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com